Ulterior. My choice for song of the year last year was Butterflies by Between You and Me, and the hook of that song, I feel, is incredibly appropriate for where I am right now in this series. How the hell did we wind up back here again? And I will say that, and I will leave it at that, and I will now play the intro, and then afterwards proceed with the finale of the Top 100 Songs of the Year series for Ulterior, concluding with my choice for this year's Song of the Year. I feel like I say this a lot, but I genuinely and sincerely mean it. This series and the podcast altogether, it doesn't happen continuously like it has without the support from you guys. And, you know, I'm just one person here. I do everything for Altair. I do the editing and the recording and the graphic designs and the actual like, process of listening to the songs and reviewing everything. It's all me. Like, I'm just an independent little shithead. And for whatever reason, you guys have shown me love and care, and I fucking love that. I think that is so beast. And you guys owe me nothing. Like, I'm just some weirdo. You know, some of you guys know me personally, some of you don't. And whatever the case is, however you know me, you've decided to champion me and fuck with me, and I will never be able to repay you guys for that because, again, all this happens because of you. And so that's all going to lead into the top 20 songs of 2022, and... Like I said earlier, how the hell does this fucking happen? How the hell do we wind it back here? I, I, it's crazy. I don't believe it. But it's reality. It's happening. I'm sitting here with this microphone right now prepared to tell you guys what my 20 favorite songs of the year were. So just to kind of give a, a little bit of briefing before I go into this, this episode will be structured just slightly differently than the prior four installments. So with those installments, the little song clips, uh, they expanded 20 seconds. So for this uh, part, songs... 20 to 11 will be 30 seconds, and then songs 10 to 1 will be 40. And that is just my way of kind of giving these songs, you know, that extra little bit of appreciation because they're in the top 20 for a reason. Um, last year, I fucking waffled on about my 20 songs. I don't want to do that this year. So last year, I think the way it worked was I like said some words to build up the song, and then I said the song name, and then I played the clip, and then I went on for like 10 minutes maybe about each song. I'm not going to do that this time. I kind of wish I could, but I'm a little bit more pressed with time this year than I was last year. So this will be structured pretty similarly to the other four installments. And if that turns out to be an issue, then I do apologize. But again, I don't have all the time in the world like I did last year. And bestowed upon the winner, uh, the number one song of the year will be the second annual Levi and Armin Award. Levi and Armin being my two cats or my two male cats, and they are subsequently named after the Attack on Titan characters, if you couldn't tell. And yeah, that's about it. So let's do it now. The 20 most goddamn elite tracks I heard all year long. And yeah, it means a lot to me. It really, really does. Number 20 is Parachute by Vanish. Need you. If I'm in a crush, you know I'm gonna burn. You don't gotta come through. So cut me 
in a way, I do look at this as kind of like a victory lap for myself because Familiar Faces, which was the Vanish record from 2019, it really did have a great impact on me and particularly the songs Roleplay and Slip. I could not ever forget the effect those songs had on me, what they mean to me, what they still mean to me to this day. And coming into what was a brand new project for Vanish, uh, Act 4 Savior, I was just more than fucking hoping for something here that I could latch onto the way that I did roleplay and slip. Parachute was that song for me. Parachute might actually be my favorite Vanish song ever. And I feel like there are so many intricate layers to Parachute and the delivery of it and the structure of it that just kind of like really, um, it's like a telltale sign of this band Vanish being just a step above so many of their contemporaries with, you know, a, a fraction of the attention, which is fucking abysmal, but it's just the way that it is right now. And I would hope someday soon Vanish can have that same platform and a song like Parachute is going to do a, a world's worth of wonders for them, in my opinion. When I listen to Parachute, from the immediate, like, you know, synth piano intro, I, I kind of... I'm just immediately put into this headspace where my attention is strictly on Parachute and everything that vanishes, you know, spewing to me at that moment. And the way that the song is able to scale things back for, you know, just a few bits. Patrick carries with him a vocal performance that is just unmatched by so many other tracks this year. And the way that that all builds up into the first chorus that it it kind of has like this two-faced side to it because you get the first half of it which is like meant to build and tease that second half and then once the second half comes in and the full band is just in full effect god i am just in complete awe at what i'm hearing and just how fucking crisp and clean and smooth and fluid everyone in Vanish sounds on this song and that energy is maintained throughout the entire duration of this track. Parachute for myself ended up being the landmark achievement for Vanish this year and again maybe their entire tenure thus far. I cannot say enough good things about Parachute and the way it makes me feel and just the imagery and the visuals in my head and like I this is the kind of song where I cannot feel like anger or resentment or just any kind of sadness or hurt towards anything when I'm hearing Parachute. Parachute is serotonin in sonic form. I, I think this song has been able to just, you know, change so many things about my perspective in the last, what, two months that's been out? A little bit less than that. Like, the impact that Parachute has been able to have on me in what is kind of a short duration, genuinely remarkable. And Vanish just fucking gave me everything I wanted and more with Parachute. Number 19 is Panic Again by MNYS. I wasn't, like, entirely sold on MNYS coming into this year. I was familiar with a little bit of his material, and I could understand the appeal of his his act and the potential, but it really wasn't until I heard Panic Again back in April when said potential became realization, in my opinion. And there is a lot I can say about Panic Again 
And the fact that I can say a lot, it kind of is a little bit astounding given that this is a, a bit of a short song in duration. And when you kind of think about the layout of it, there's nothing super extraordinary about Panic Again. And the whole, you know, acoustic thing turning into a full band song, like that obviously has been done before by so many acts. But there's something about MNYS and the way that he's able to deliver Panic Again that separates this track from so many similar endeavors by other people. And for that reason, I feel like this song alone is what turned me around completely on MNYS and to the point where I'm now saying that he is one of the best solo acts going today in the scene. There is so much about Panic Again from a surface level and a deep-rooted perspective that I am able to just connect with, and this song lyrically just hits me in my fucking soul, guys. I keep my windows open because you know I'm trying to find my purpose, hope you don't mind, because my hands start shaking all on their own and I can't stop pacing and now no one knows, inside I'm anxious all the time. There was so much happening in my life, specifically in April, when Panic Again released, that whenever I hear the song, that is the spot that I am, like, transported back to in my head. And there are more songs on this list where I can elaborate a little bit more, but I'll just kind of say now that Panic Again released around the time that I found uh, Historia. She is my newest cat, and... I found her outside of the house I was living in at the time, and when I found her, she was injured, and she had, like, this pretty deep-looking cut on her, I believe it was her back right leg, and I didn't know this cat, like, I just found her, but she, like, captured my heart immediately, and seeing how hurt she was, it cut me so badly, and... Having this song, Panic Again, that kind of details, you know, that feeling of like panic disorder and anxiety, I was experiencing everything that MNYS speaks about in this track. And, you know, Historia's behind me right now. She's just sitting on the floor, kind of staring at me, wondering what I'm, what is blood waffling about. And she doesn't know that part of what I'm waffling about is my experience with finding her and having this immediate attachment that I didn't think was going to last because I I didn't know the chances of survival for her. I didn't know the likelihood of a very skinny, stray, and injured cat managing to make it, especially under my care, because I, I don't think I can fucking save anything. But she's here. And MNYS gave me what is essentially a part of the soundtrack to that moment in time where I didn't really know what was happening in my life, given some other circumstances that, again, I will speak about later. And my shining ray of hope in that span of time was Historia. And I feel like Panic Again really did help keep me as calm as it could have in a time where I needed to be fucking calm. Number 18 is Love It When You Hate Me by Avril Lavigne featuring Black Bear.
I'm going to sound like a stand account right now, but Avril is mother. Avril is queen. And she has been for over 20 years now, actually. I remember it was in the summer of 2002 when I found her through... Uh, little bits of uh, the videos for Complicated and Scatterboy playing between episodes on Nickelodeon, which is probably such a dated concept that I don't know how many people listening to this actually know that happened. But yeah, Nickelodeon played some shit, some scene shit for that matter. And that was how I found Avril. And obviously I would have found out about her eventually, but that is kind of what gave me this pathway to Avril Lavigne's material at a very early age. And she probably did have a hand in kind of like shaping where my music interests, at least related to pop punk, would eventually end up. So to be able to go from, you know, being seven years old and seeing her videos for the first time on TV to being 27 right now and still talking about her material and talking about it in this manner where I am acknowledging a song of hers this year, Love It When You Hate Me, as one of the best songs of the entire year, in my opinion. I think that is like a real testament to just the ability for Avril to kind of adapt as she moves ahead in her career and to just kind of always be at the forefront of whatever is happening. And there is so much about Love It When You Hate Me that I was able to just gravitate towards right away because not just, you know, Avril's own um, uh, vision for this song, but also Black Bear is in this. And I said on, I think it was part three of this series, I think Black Bear is the most consistent artist I have ever covered on Ulterior. Black Bear does not miss whether it is a track of his own or a feature spot. Black Bear is him. Black Bear is that fucking dude. So when you mix that fucking dude with fucking mother, this is what you get. Love only hate me. This song is generational and I truly have been obsessed with this track ever since I first heard it back near the start of this year. To me, what this song shows me is the complete lack of any missteps in Avril Lavigne's approach to new material in 2022, you know, that is similar to where she was in 2002, 2004, 2007, and any year that she was popping. The song is sensational. I think it is one of the catchiest songs of the year. There is no moment in time where I put this song on and I am not just nodding and singing along to every line in the chorus and just the way that it's able to capture my imagination the same way that she did when I was seven years old. And I feel like, you know, yeah, it's nostalgia, part of why I'm able to be attached to Avril Lavigne to this day. But at the same time, I truly think that she is putting out material right now that is just as good as the hit, just as good as the songs that people know, just as good as the songs that people were singing back to her at when we were young. I feel like Avril Lavigne can still be possessive of that it factor, and this song shows that. And, you know, combining her with Black Bear, this song turned out not even just as well as it could have, it was even better than it could have been. Number 17 is Peel by Mood Ring. Just a few feet away from me in my closet right now is the Mood Ring Chainsaw Man hoodie. I only bought merch this year for two bands, which is pretty shambolic, but that's just what happened. 
Uh, one of them I'll talk about later, and the other one was fucking Mood Ring. And not just because I am a, a Chainsaw Man fiend, but also because this year I bought into Mood Ring. I remember covering their EP from last year, Show Me the Real You, and I had good things to say about Mood Ring, but at the same time, I felt like maybe I didn't have a real reason yet to just, you know, fully connect myself to what they were doing. It sounded great, but it wasn't anything super generational. So then fast forward to this year and Stargazer and the amount of material on that album that I hold so close to my heart is incredible and astounding, and there is no better example of what I'm talking about right now than on Peel. I think what I hear in Peel that maybe differentiates itself from the rest of Stargazer is there's definitely that Deftones and like Shoegaze effect that I can hear in this track like I do most of the other album, but it's kind of condensed in a way, like it's a little bit more streamlined and accessible without being like so downbeat in its uh, at least a sonic tone but lyrically peel is just a, a gutting fucking song and like the grotesque imagery that is drafted from these lyrics is something that stuck with me all year since i first heard the song back in june I've dreamt of drinking all your blood, but you strike first every time you cut me up like a martyr who isn't worth the cause, like a daughter who's never been enough. Peel is gross in a lot of ways, but it is the malevolence that I can sense within this piece of art that is able to draw me in beyond just the way the song sounds. And as far as the way the song sounds actually goes... The chorus is immensely catchy, guys. Like, genuinely one of the brightest spots all year from any band and in any album, any song. The chorus of Peel has this really, like, disgustingly attractive effect to it. And it's just something that, like, I am so captivated by. And I remember getting through Stargazer for the first time. It took me a minute to actually finish the record because I just kept replaying Peel over and over and over again. And I don't usually do that for, or rather, I try not to usually do that for albums because I want to get through what I need to from start to finish in one go. But when it came to a song like Peel and how much it just, um, like inspired me from the, from the jump, I couldn't pull myself away from Peel and I didn't want to. I still don't want to. Like, I, always feel like listening to Peel. And given just how grotesque of a song this actually is, the fact that I can say I want to listen to it all the time, I think that kind of says all that needs to be said when it comes to how alluring a song like Peel is to me and just how big of a W, I believe, Mood Ring caught this year on Peel. Number 16 is Comatose by Coheed and Cambria. It's a little bit nasty that Coheed and Cambria has a spot 
this high on the list because I feel like they're a band who I've probably talked more shit about in the last almost two decades than I have anything uh, resembling positivity. And that's not to say that I dislike Queen Cambria. I really don't. Uh, they actually do have a number of songs from their tenure that I'm able to find solace in and connect with on a spiritual level. Songs like A Favorite House Atlantic and The Suffering, um, Mothers of Men, Atlas, like those songs mean something to me in grandiose manners that extend beyond what my perception of Coheed Camry is. My perception largely is they're okay. I don't love them. I don't dislike them. They just exist. Sans those songs I just mentioned and maybe a few others I'm forgetting. And also now, as of this year, Comatose. I couldn't allow myself to deny Comatose its spot this high in the list just because I don't really fuck with Cody and Cambria too much. When it came down to the process of deciding what goes on this list and where it goes, Comatose was a song that like just kept staying. It, it was still on the list after I was deciding like, okay, you go in part one, you go in part two, you go in part three, and so on. And Comatose was left over, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, I really, really, really like this song, don't I? Like, genuinely really fucking love this song. And I listen to it again, and again, and again, and I can't find anything wrong with it. I cannot, even like, the fuck was that? That was crazy. Um, Even with like, critical lenses on, and having the mindset of like, I am going to pick apart this song and find a reason to not put it in the top 20, I couldn't find shit. This song is perfect. This song is fucking masterful and beautiful, and the fact that Cody and Cambria are as far into their tenure as they are, and having the ability to put out a song like Comatose, I am shocked. Shooketh, even. Because I didn't fucking expect this. Like, there was nothing on Vaxxus 1 that uh, resonated with me, really, and then coming into Vaxxus 2, when I look back on the record, I don't like it nowadays nearly as much as I did when I first heard it. I think some of the songs I was, like, pretty high on, I'm just whatever now, kind of lukewarm, except Comatose. The same power of Comatose is fucking real. I think this song kind of exemplifies the strengths of Queen Cambria when it comes to producing more just straightforward simple tracks and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that with the acknowledgement like i have like a fucking puny uh iq and i can't really process uh the intellectual expansion of Cody and camry and their alternate universe and everything that these songs are written about you know what i'm saying i'm stupid it's essentially what i'm getting at and Cody and camry fans are probably smarter than i am eh, i don't know about that but uh comatose I can't deny this song. I cannot deny how infectious that chorus is. I cannot deny that it is one of the biggest choruses of the entire year. I cannot deny the, uh, just like the urge within me to sing those lines every single time I hear this song. I cannot deny Comatose its top 20 spot. And so it's here. It's part of me forever. It's part of ulterior history and lore forever. Comatose by Coheed and Cambria is one of the 20 best songs of the fucking year. Number 15 is Salt and Vinegar by Lights.
lights is special. I think another way to phrase it, simply put, lights is her. She has been her for a minute now. She had my record of the year for 2017, Skin and Earth, a contender for Song of the Year that year in Kicks. And I feel like whenever Lights does something, I am seated. She commands my attention. She has my eyes and my ears tapped into whatever she is doing. And when it came to what stood out to me on Pep this year, it was a lot, really. Pep is a fucking tremendous record. But it was not difficult for me to pinpoint Salt and Vinegar as the gem of that record and the highlight of it and ultimately one of the brightest spots of the entire Lights discography. And there is something very, very chaotic about Salt and Vinegar, despite the song not being chaotic in the slightest when it comes to the sonic tones here or the delivery. Lights put out a track here that is very catchy while having this certain like aura to it it's not an eerie mood in any way but like there is a sense of anxiety that i kind of get whenever i hear salt and vinegar and maybe it's like the the way that the song sounds the way that the atmosphere is built the way that lights kind of doesn't really allow this song to embrace its pop centric vision at any point because she scales things back and i feel like that was purposely done i feel like that was done in a way that kind of matches the aesthetic of the music video because in the music video it's pretty much dark except for the vending machine that lights is stuck inside of and that's a really weird way to describe the video but you have to watch it to understand what i'm saying lights is in a vending machine um doing her damn thing and I feel like sonically, Salt and Vinegar just kind of matches that tone. And you can hear the song being built up to the chorus that maybe never fully explodes. I don't feel like Salt and Vinegar has the same energy as some of the songs being talked about today or even in the days prior when it comes to that really large atmosphere and that big arena setting. I don't know if Salt and Vinegar has that, but I feel like that bare feeling in some areas is what amplifies Salt and Vinegar's effectiveness because it's a song that forces me to pay attention to it. It forces me to listen closely and hear the way Lights enunciates some of these lyrics and the way that she is kind of just getting across what she needs to, whether it be whispering or kind of just having this like vocal effect over what she's doing. Lights is a master at capturing my attention and my imagination. And Salt and Vinegar is a key example of how she is able to do that so, so goddamn effectively. Number 14 is Blindfolded by Against the Current. Why is this song here? How did a song that released on December 2nd reach number 14 on a list being put out on December 16th? A list that was finalized before December 16th for that matter. Because it's against the current. And because I sat here, not specifically in this apartment, but here just metaphorically, you know what I mean. I sat here last year and 
I gassed the living fuck up out of Against the Current on songs like Weapon and Burn It Down and Lullaby and then the overall EP that was Fever because I believe Against the Current are one of the best bands in the world and they further cemented that status with Blindfolded and just the fact that within you know the two-week span separates this song's release from this moment right now that I'm talking about it they put out a song that is just as good, in my opinion, if not somehow even better than their material on Fever. You have all of the key elements that make up Blindfolded in the effective manner that is needed for and against the current song. You have Chrissy Costanza leading the charge the only way that she can, which is through sheer fucking perfection. You have Dan and Will being these like backing players that are at the forefront alongside Chrissy. And you take all that and you give Against the Current a canvas that they paint in a similar fashion to Fever, but maybe with some of, you know, In Our Bones and Infinity and everything else they did prior just kind of mixed in to not a great extent, but enough for me to at least hear blindfolded and feel like this could be the most cumulative Against the Current song ever put out. But carried over from Fever, I would say, is this almost dark nature to the song in the sense that it doesn't really sound dark. It's one of those tracks that has kind of an upbeat sound to it. But once you really take in what this song is saying, I feel like it takes on a whole new life. And you can just look at the chorus and the lyrics that back that up. Now I can't stand still, should be running free, and all these nightmares used to be daydreams. I got my eyes wide open, don't want to care about nothing, wish I could no less, just go back to bed, because all my pink skies have been painted red. If this is real, don't show it. I want to run blindfolded. I listen to this song and just immediately imagine myself here and everything that I have been put through by other people, everything that I've been put through by myself. And just that notion of, I want to run blindfolded. I, it's a dream to run away from some of this shit. And it's a dream to kind of, you know, act like I didn't see it, act like this didn't happen, act like this didn't affect me. But the fact that I'm able to sit here and talk to you guys about this song the way that I am, it's pretty clear that that shit did affect me. And I feel like Against a Current gave me a song that I can kind of just like grab onto and hold really tightly close to me and feel like I am okay with feeling the way that I feel and I'm not alone that's a very cliche thing to say but that's kind of what the song is able to bring me it's comforting in these moments it is something to assure me that I'm probably not maybe not insane and there's something very very special about a, a song being able to do that do that for me because music beyond just you know being something sonic to kill time to i look at music in a way where i allow it to shape my life or put into words what i never believed i could and i feel like blindfolded kind of does both in a way um against the current is a band that i'll never be able to thank them enough like i really will never be able to kind of express to them what they've been able to do for me ever since i was 18 years old watching the video for closer faster up till now 27 years old talking to you guys about blindfolded and just how sensational and marvelous and inspirational and soothing this song is 
you know, despite carrying with it some very, very dark tones and against the current have become masters at that act. And I feel like this uh, song blindfolded is kind of just a step into the direction of further cementing what I see that already for them as like a legacy status, like combining all the material from the past with blindfolded. This is a perfect band. I have never been able to find a misstep within any of their endeavors. I've never been let down by anything, even past lives. I fucking love past lives. And I feel like Against the Current is a band that I can count on all the time and I can trust. And I didn't need Blindfolded to know that, but I am beyond thrilled to have been able to receive it. Number 13 is Right Where You Want Me by Mayfield. There's a lot to process when I hear this song, and there's a lot to kind of sort through in my head when it comes to what about this song do I really want to relay to you guys? Because I can be generic and say, I love the way the song sounds, or I can be a little bit more authentic and tell you guys why Ryrie Want Me is able to tug at my heartstrings the way that it does. Um, I'm going to start out by saying that Mayfield is a band who... I don't want to say I've championed in the past because that's probably not accurate. They had a record back in 2019 called Careless Love that I felt kind of embodied uh, post-hardcore that wasn't totally like flourished. Like I don't feel like Careless Love really capitalized on every area that they could have. It's a good album for sure, but it had the potential to be great and I didn't feel like it really reached that level. So I was pretty excited to kind of uh, dive into what this band sounds like in this day and age in three years I have passed since Careless Love. And what they were able to bring to me with Right Where You Want Me was a song that just kind of hit me like a bus in a way. And I believe back in April when I reviewed this single and I tried to find a way to describe how it sounds, I said if Drowned by Bring Me The Horizon was a bit more embroiled in pop punk than it actually is. But it is a daunting kind of pop punk style song. It's something that was able to just really like pull me in for the ride. And there's a lot about Right Where You Want Me that uh, my attachment to is probably circumstantial. The song is fucking amazing the way that it sounds. I feel like Mayfield found a style that is 100% worth exploring on their next endeavor, whether that's an EP or an album or whatever it might be in 2023. Hopefully 2023. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at when I say that it's circumstantial, my attachment is that I was going through a lot personally back when this song released in April and that specific week, it was number one for Scenic Overlook. So this was, if I'm not mistaken, the final song that... I gave that number one spot to at the time of living in the house that I had been living in for 20 years. Um, I don't live in that house anymore, and I'm not going to get into the like real details of what happened because 
it's in the past and I kind of want to just forget about all of it. But I have to mention it now because part of my connection to where we want me is through what I was dealing with. And I can just remember like the times living in that house near the end. And again, for reasons I'm not going to say, I had to like live in the dark, like almost literally like at night, just not have any lights on windows closed, doors closed, just not be able to, you know, have any sort of, uh, fulfillment there. I had to essentially live like nobody lived there. And it's a very weird thing to explain, but, uh, those moments of just being in pitch darkness, right where you want me is what picked me up. It's a song that kind of kept me going. It's a song that kept me sane. And just whenever the song comes up in shuffle and I hear that opening, uh, like strum of the guitar notes and then the lyrics come in and it's just done in this really soothing manner. And the way you make me feel like I'm just something you want when you're lonely, you got me right where you want me. It is beautiful beyond belief. It's a song that is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I will never, ever be able to forget about right where you want me and what Mayfield managed to do for me this year and how they took a beaten and broken and battered soul and picked him up and told him, you can do this. And that's really what this song did for me. Number 12 is I Fell in Love with Someone I Shouldn't Have by Hot Milk. Hot Milk have been cooking for a minute now, and I don't believe I did a good enough job last year at really being able to explain that to you guys, because I just want to know what happens when I'm dead. I didn't give it enough love on the show last year. I didn't really have it in any placements for the year-end stuff. It was a song that, or rather an EP that kind of just came and went, and I felt bad about that because it truly was good. Just for whatever reason, I didn't believe it was good enough to really champion and gas up the way that I'm choosing to do so right now for I fell in love with someone I shouldn't have. And choosing to do so isn't really the right way to phrase it. I am being forced in a way to talk about this song because of how generational it is and how I believe this is the best song ever made by Hot Milk. And the just... Everything surrounding where my life was at at the time of the song's release back in July and how it was a song that I could listen to and very clearly understand like where I fit into this narrative and how, you know, the themes of like knowing that somebody is not good for you and you should be running away. Like, I get it. I really, really do. And Hot Milk kind of gave me a song that spoke to me in a way that I didn't want to listen to it, but I knew it needed to be said. I, I knew these were lyrics that I needed to have like be at the center of my brain, even if I couldn't really accept that. 
and my heart couldn't really process what was happening. Um, I, I think with this track, what I'm able to see here is the clearest and most apropos and effective example of why Hot Milk have been able to build a name in the manner that they have. I think just like amounting the song to pop punk is not at all doing justice to what is actually happening here. Because yeah, that is kind of in some ways where the sonic tones lie, but at the same time, there is a lot of like more classic rock stuff integrated into here, and I can perceive that and understand that and accept it because the way that Hot Milk is able to take all of these concepts and really wrap them so finely and perfectly into I fell in love with someone I shouldn't have, it is remarkable, and it is a really cool display of this band's strengths, and it turns out there's a fuckload of strengths. Um... I feel like this song kind of takes a lot of what has happened to me the last few years and like kind of just like puts me in a seat with like my my hands tied and my eyes like forced open and really intake a lot of painful themes that again I might not have wanted to hear but I needed to and I feel like that's kind of where my attachment with the song is grounded in the ability to make me uncomfortable through a very upbeat sounding song. And I think that's fucking admirable. Number 11 is Whispers of Your Death by Counterparts. So, um, literally, as I'm about to start talking about Whispers of Your Death, I can hear my cat, or one of my cats, Historia, eating behind me, and, I don't know, it's appropriate. Um, so, um, what I should also mention right now is that from uh, this position, 11 onwards, every song at one point was considered for number one so i'm saying that all of these songs were good enough to be deemed song of the year and hearing whispers of your death for the first time and subsequently the second and third time and afterwards i thought this could be the song of the year and a part of why it's not and why it is purposely being kept away from the top 10 is because this song kind of follows a similar suit to what I mentioned in the previous installment regarding Cancer by the Devil Wears Prada. Whispers is a little bit too on the nose when it comes to my headspace and where my mental health is at. Because I have spent the last two years and two months making cats my life. Um... If you guys don't know, Whispers of Your Death was written about Brandon Murphy, who is the vocals of Counterparts, uh, his cat, Kuma. And the song was released when Kuma was alive. And the music video for the song, it's literally just Brandon putting a speaker next to Kuma, playing the song, and Kuma 
does not care and that's fine because Kuma, you know, he was, he was a good boy. He really was. From everything I could see on social media, the way that Brendan described him, the love that Brendan clearly had for Kuma, Kuma was a, a very kind spirit. I, I think it was legitimately like a week or two before the album, a eulogy for those still here released, uh, Kuma passed. And that was really hard to watch play out on social media because of my experience in dealing with the loss of a cat because my uh, cat Mikasa, she passed away May 18th, 2021, the fucking worst day of my life. And understanding like what Brandon or maybe understanding what Brandon could be going through because I feel like everybody's experience with like loss and grief and all that stuff is very different from one another. But having that idea of maybe what it could have been like, it it sucked. It really, really fucking sucked to watch play out. And even before Kuma had passed, when you listen to this song, Whispers of Your Death, it's it's gutting for somebody like myself who has been through that. It, it's gutting having these cats around me right now, knowing that, you know, one day one of us will leave before the other. You know, any of the three of them can pass before I do. I can pass before any of them. This all ends in death. And I really don't mean to be so, you know, brooding or like dark about any of this shit. But if I'm going to express to you guys what Whispers of Your Death means to me, I kind of need to go this route. Hearing this song, it's painful. Like genuinely, I, I don't know if I enjoy hearing this song because of what like surfaces to my brain whenever i hear lyrics like it's hard to breathe without you sleeping on my chest sick and withering from the whispers of your death forever your savior as much as you are mine and for that i promise to protect you until the day i die and i remember just hearing the song and looking over and seeing my cats just on my bed and it, it's very daunting to kind of know in my mind like this this will end one day. And I'm actually shaking right now. That's kind of crazy. Like, I'm not memeing or anything. That's actually crazy. Um, This is a beautiful song. And and it's, it's beauty that is able to be relayed to all of us through the signature counterparts style. Because for being, you know, a sad song and a really heartfelt song, counterparts did not try and steer away from who they are and their hardcore nature. This song is blistering and thunderous and heavy and ferocious. And the kind of song that in a live setting, you know, the pit opens up and you are just fucking killing it in there. And the fact that counterparts can take a song that sounds like this and be able to attach to it the lyrical meaning that is here, it is a, a real showcase into the talents and the abilities within everybody in counterparts and how this band is just able to take whatever ideas they have and morph them to their sound and their style. And I think that's really fucking sick. Whispers of Your Death is an immaculate piece of art. This song, it it, it might mean more to me on a personal level than any other song I've mentioned in this top 100. And I said before, I didn't put it in the top 10 because it's a little bit too painful and if i don't like listening to a song i don't see how i can name it the song of the year or even you know in that echelon so that's why it's 11 but i'm saying now to you guys whispers of your death 
means the goddamn fucking world to me. And I would hope that it means the world to anybody who has pets and attaches themselves to those lives that they are protecting and watching. And, you know, legitimately, guys, this song is beautiful and it's painful and it makes me think so many things I don't want to, but I kind of need to. And rest in peace, Kuma. Rest in peace, Mikasa. Rest in peace, any lost, you know, fur baby and loved one. And if you have gone through that before, if you're going through it now, I really, really do extend any well wishes and condolences because it's not fun. It fucking sucks. I'm actually like almost on the verge of tears right now. Um, and I don't know how easier it's going to get talking about some of these 10 remaining songs because they also carry with them some, you know, things that are gutting to me in a lot of ways. But I have a responsibility to tell you guys exactly what these songs mean to me. And we're down to 10 now. This is it. The 10 best songs, in my opinion, all year long. Every song that was reviewed on Ulterior this year, these are the 10 that I sorted through and said, you define me in some way. You did something to stick in my brain. You did something to make me connect to you. You did something to make me feel. And all I want to do with music is feel. So we're going to go ahead now and proceed. Number 10 is Love's Not Your Thing by Sharia Moore. Several times already in the duration of this series, I have detailed how I believe Shreya Moore are one of the brightest up-and-coming bands in the scene today, and how everything that they've released, literally since their inception, is cannot miss. And the it factor possessed by this band was not made any more apparent on a track this year, in my personal opinion, than on Love's Not Your Thing. So... Something that I remember about this track in particular was kind of hearing it at midnight and being in the room that I'm in right now at my new apartment. And I had been here for maybe like a month by that point. And I, I, I don't, okay. So a lot of really tumultuous shit happened to me the first month here. So maybe this is the explanation for that. Whenever I think about my initial stage here and what was going on around my life at that time, Usually, Love's Not Your Thing is what I think of, and I remember just kind of hearing the song at midnight and continuously being blown away by everything that this band does because I think that they're fucking gems. I think they can truly be pillars of the future for the scene, and with Love's Not Your Thing, it, it carries a lot of the same like R&B and, and punk and other sort of like weird amalgamated stuff, that sense of uh, versatility and character that you can find in every Sharia Moore song. But it's done just a, a little bit differently, but that difference was enough to uh, leverage Love's Not Your Thing above other incredible songs on Spiritual Ascension like the Tau Track or Mind's Eye and just all of these other amazing songs 
with Love's Not Your Thing, I, I feel like I'm just sitting in like a tunnel and it's just bright and vibrant. But every once in a while, that vibrancy kind of diminishes and you get a song here that is able to kind of have this very joyous atmosphere, but then when it needs to, just slightly scale it back, slightly take it away and kind of let you relish in the entire message of this song and the meaning of it. Love's not your thing. And it's something that I've had to mull over for a very, very, very long time. And I identify with this song tremendously well. And maybe that's a big reason why I feel like saying that it is the best Sharia Moore song this year. Um, actually, now that I think about it, it's, it has the same placement as last year. Uh, they, they came in number 10 on my list with Burn, and now they're number 10 with Love's Not Your Thing. Hmm, it's crazy. Um, I, I think the like specific portion of the song that really cemented it as being like near GOAT status, it's the build-up to the second course. And you get Trey delivering his lines and the instrumentation in the background kind of stopping every once in a while. And then you get this, like, it's very short, so I don't want to really call it a build-up, but just this section where you can hear the trumpets, you can hear the band coming in, and in the background, that vocal effect over Trey's voice saying, love is not your thing, love is not your thing, and just kind of having that be hammered into my head. I cannot get over that portion of the song, and I just can't get over the song in general. Love's Not Your Thing is generational. It is truly a masterful track, and it is one of the benchmarks thus far in a career where I expect nothing but benchmarks from here on out from Sharia Moore. Number nine is Pity Party by Stan Atlantic featuring Royal and the Serpent. I don't know if I said this earlier with EXO. I probably did. I just kind of have like memory loss. Um, Stan Atlantic proved me wrong in so many aspects this year because when I think about the discography of this band, to me, they've largely been just okay. Like I thought Skinny Dipping was fine. Uh, Pink Elephant was fine. And then Fear came along and there was no miss whatsoever. And at the forefront of all that for myself this year was Pity Party. And this was a very early track this year. It came out like second or third week of January, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember just kind of sitting in my room and hearing the song and going into it with like, okay, I like Molotov. I'll probably like Pity Party. At the very least, just like it. So I heard the song. My fucking jaw dropped. My eyes were just wide open. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Stan Atlantic had dropped something 
this fucking magnificent with this kind of prowess being shown with the versatility in pity party that i think it's just it leaps and bounds above what this band had been doing prior i cannot get enough of the chorus and when you hear those parts where like bonnie's just like you know yelling out at you fuck you and your fucking pity party and you can hear the band just stopping every once in a while to let her cook and the way that that all explodes into the rest of the chorus is tremendous Roland Serpent comes in and she is like a, she's not part of the, the supporting cast of this track. She is a star. She has a lead role in Pity Party and she comes in on the second verse and her like almost like an innocent kind of a voice singing over this really like disguised ominous track is one of the coolest things I got to hear all year long. She had one of the best feature spots, not just of this year, but maybe of this entire decade. And I think Pity Party just really acted as like, for myself at least, the signature song of Stan Atlantic, not just, you know, for 2022, but their entire tenure so far. When I think of Stan Atlantic, I think of Pity Party. I think of the effect that the song had on me. I think of how I just could not put it down no matter what for the entire year. I think about every line, every melody that makes up Pity Party and just how much I'm able to connect with it beyond just music. Like this is spiritual to me. I think Pity Party is fucking astounding. And it really did so, so much in turning me around a Stan Atlantic. The entire album Fear was eventually going to do that, but as far as like a standalone single to build up to that moment, Pity Party was everything to me. Number eight is Be Happy by Sleeping with Sirens featuring Royal and the Serpent. Yeah, so Roland Serpent had a pretty good year, didn't she? Um, and at large, so did Sleeping of Sirens. And in some ways, Sirens did something similarly to Stan Atlantic when it came to, like, really reinventing themselves this year, in my opinion. I think coming into 2022, Sleeping of Sirens... I don't want to say they had a lot to prove because I feel like they were kind of able to rebound off of gossip when they put out How It Feels To Be Lost. I love Leave It All Behind. I love Break Me Down. There are some gems on that record, but at large, there wasn't a like really definitive song, a song that I can look at and say, you embody the spirit and the essence of Sleeping of Sirens to a fucking T. And there were actually quite a few songs on Complete Collapse I feel like did that. None more so then be happy. There are some moments on be happy where if somebody were to say like, oh, this is cheesy, it's corny, I would say, yeah, probably. But I cannot act like I just don't completely fuck with every element of this song, whether it be cheesy or corny, whatever you want to say. I think be happy is a sensational fucking song. And maybe probably one of my favorite Sleeping Siren songs ever made, like top 10 or bordering top five, truthfully. I think this song is such a good template for like the overall stature of Sleeping Sirens. And what I mean by that is like 
this is a band that they can scale things back and they can be a little bit heavy at times too. And I think Be Happy kind of gives them this free canvas to just be whatever they want to be and show off all of their sides, show off all their elements. Because when you go into the verses and you have Kellen just giving this beautiful delivery and then that burst into the chorus where bro is just like letting his voice, you know, uh, be sung out to the heavens and he sounds just as incredible here as he has ever in his career. And lyrically, Be Happy is a song that was able to just really touch me and really move me. And the last two months that I've been able to spend with it, I don't know if I have listened to a song more than Be Happy. I think this track just truly captures where my head is at, where my head has been at in the overall theme of like, you know, I should be happy, but I'm not. I carry that with me, like, you know, proudly. Not the essence of like not being happy, but I mean like having a song like this that really describes where my mental health is at. I cannot thank Sirens enough for what they did with this track. It is one of the most poignant songs of the year. And then Roland Serpent, like she did on uh, Pity Party, she comes in at the second verse and just gives this a one goddamn performance she is fucking incredible on be happy and then even later on like in the bridge you know you got kellen kind of letting loose instrumentation going a little bit crazy there's a breakdown later on and it all ties back together so immaculately well for the final course i think be happy is one of the best musical journeys this entire year it is one of my favorite Sleeping Siren songs ever. It further cemented Roland Serpent as being a star entity within this scene. Just everything that Be Happy set out to achieve, it did, and I am beyond thrilled with this track. Number seven is Broken by The Devil Wears Prada. Just to provide a level of transparency, coming into this list and the structure of it and deciding what goes where or what songs even make it, I knew that there would be three Divorce Prada songs being represented here. Broken, Cancer, and Salt. I initially did not believe Broken would have been the song to go above Cancer and Salt because I feel like Salt really did a lot to establish my love for this direction of Divorce product. And then Cancer is just one of the most gutting and uncomfortable and eerie things I've ever listened to in my life. And then Broken is, in a way, or at least as I perceived it as, it was just a good song. Like, just a, a really, really, really good song. So I listened to the three songs uh, consecutively. And what I realized was, amongst those three... I actually now enjoy hearing Broken more than the other two. And then even listening through Color Decay all over again several times, Broken sparked the most interest within me. Broken was a song that I listened to and I'm like, this feels like 
an encapsulation of where the Devil Wears Prada is right now. Like, Broken is the Devil Wears Prada. Broken is Color Decay. Broken is the song that gets across every theme and idea and creative concept explored by the Devil Wears Prada this year. I hear Broken, and just from that, you know, that guitar intro, like, there is a certain level of comfortability with a daunting tone that is perfectly established by that intro. And then you get into the verse and it feels like a little bit in the same essence as cancer, but not to that extent. A little bit gross, a little bit dark and eerie, but I fuck with that direction so much. Broken has one of the biggest choruses of the year and potentially the best chorus ever produced by the Devil Wars Prada. I think Broken is just this sensational song that for as eerie and dark as it is, I am just locked in from the second I press play. I think this is one of the best showcases ever for Mike and Jeremy as far as being able to exemplify what makes them this super power duo in not just like trading vocals, but the way that they kind of layer their performances on top of one another. Like you can hear Mike screaming and Jeremy singing all at the same time. And it is done in this way where it doesn't feel like sensory overload. It's, it's not complex in any way. It is exactly what should be happening here on Broken. And even just lyrically, like, this is the Devil Wars Prada incarnate. This is this band operating at one of the highest levels they ever have. My hands are torn up from all these broken bottles. I can't stand. Lost too much. I know I've got my problems. Every day I'm afraid that I might find the bottom. My hands are torn up. I know I've got my problems. This is just monumental for the Devil Wars Prada. And I, I think Broken, more than any other song from them this year is like the best display of how far they have come. Like this band, they are as good now as they've ever been in my opinion. And I say that as somebody who is a merchant for uh, a beautiful discord and plagues and with roots above, like that is my like holy trinity of scene records from that time period in the 2000s. But in 2022, Color Decay is exactly where this band should be. Broken is the exact kind of song they should be putting out, and I feel just privileged in every sense of the phrase to have been able to hear it and experience it and enjoy it the way that I did this year. Number six is Slaughterhouse by Motionless and White featuring Brian Garris from Knocked Loose. Just said superpower duo to describe Mike and Jeremy from the Devil Wars Prada. Let's talk about Chris Motionless and fucking Brian Garris coming together for a track. Like, I can't think of a more monumental moment in Metalcore this year. And for myself, the end result of that was my favorite Metalcore song of 2022. And something that really helps, like, reinvigorate that side of Motionless and White. Because for the last couple of record cycles by Motionless... The songs that I was drawn to the most from them kind of 
maybe steered away from that um, echelon that they used to compromise. And an example of that being that on Disguise from 2019, Another Life was a song for me. Whereas now, Slaughterhouse, I feel like this is Motionless and White operating at the highest level within Metalcore they ever have, potentially. Um, I, I just said about the, the Brian feature and how, like, superpower-like that is. And I can't stress it enough. Like, Brian is not just a feature spot on this song. He is, like, an additional vocalist to Chris. Like, they kind of, they both make up this song. They're both necessary for Slaughterhouse's execution. Like, all of Chris's moments and his screams, you don't get them flourishing the way they do without Brian's parts and vice versa as well. This song is just blisteringly heavy, and then the chorus has that signature clean style of motionless that I feel like when they can like perfectly nail that sound, there are not many bands in the scene that do it better than motionless. I, I wouldn't classify myself at all as like one of those metalcore junkies who's just like break down, break down, break down, break down, break down. But for this song, uh, you know what I'm saying? Break down, break down, break down, break down, break down. That shit fucking goes. It is one of the coolest things I believe Motionless and White have ever done. The whole, you know, anti-establishment, anti-capitalism theme that is going here. Motionless and White fucking deliver that theme with this incredibly just angry and irate song that I can find solace in, strangely. Like, I can just listen to Slaughterhouse and be chill and calm and just, you know, be brought right back, right back down earth from whatever is going on in my brain because that is the nature of Slaughterhouse. That is what this song can do for me. That is what Motionless of White brought to me this year. And I feel like this is the kind of song that any jokes I could get off about Motionless of White and like, oh, they sound like Breaking Benjamin. They sound like this, sound like that. They sound like fucking gods on Slaughterhouse. Number five is Past the Nirvana by Pierce DeVille. This was the year of the comeback, I feel like, because you had several bands resurfacing and bringing forth sounds that maybe people would not have expected for their first uh, endeavors upon returning. So, for instance, My Chemical Romance, they had the foundations of decay, and it did not sound anything like what people thought it would. It didn't have that polished Black Parade sound. It was kind of out of left field. Uh, Paramore had This Is Why, which I like and it's still growing on me, but I can understand the notion that maybe This Is Why wasn't the sound that people, or, or largely people, were not really anticipating to hear from uh, Paramore. And then there was Past Nirvana, and I remember listening to this song on my lunch break at work one day, and... I I had a lot of feelings about it initially, and all of them were positive. 
like there was nothing about this almost like a 90s grunge kind of a song that I couldn't not make sense of. I was not able to hear the song and have the kind of critical lenses on that other people did and just be like, oh, this isn't Pierce the Veil. Uh, this doesn't sound like King for a Day or Caraphernalia or even like Circles or something else. Like, yeah, it doesn't sound like any of that. And would I have expected that? No. I totally would have imagined this being, you know, another case of 2015 where Pierce the Veil comes back with a song like The Divine Zero and then goes on from there. That's what I was anticipating. And instead, Pastor Nirvana just defied all expectations and it defied those expectations in a way that made it to where this song exceeded anything that I could have been expecting here from Pierce the Veil. And I say that as somebody who grew up with and absolutely adores the post-hardcore side of Pierce the Like, had they dropped a song that sounded like Bulls in the Bronx, you know, yes, I would have been so invigorated. I still would be talking about that as one of the best songs of the year. But the chances taken on Pass Nirvana, I feel like they paid off immensely well. And again, from the moment I first heard this song, I could identify the catchy nature of it, the very downbeat and droggy style that it possesses, I was able to appreciate all of that. But then you fast forward a few weeks later and I actually got to hear the song live on the True Power Tour. And being there in the atmosphere for it, I'm saying that the energy that the room had for Passing Nirvana, it was equivalent to the energy for Caraphernalia or Hell Above. Like, this song hits live it resonates with the audience and another thing i want to point out is that prior to this song uh, starting live vic Fuentes said something along the lines of this song goes out to anybody who didn't get a prom or a graduation i forgot exactly how he said it but it was something along those lines and that stuck with me because i did not get a graduation so my uh college graduation was supposed to have been in may of 2020 so you know the first set of like graduations and special events to just be axed because of covid and i felt like being there in that moment to hear this song live i don't want to say it signified like my full exit from the pandemic because the pandemic isn't really over it's kind of just something that like people have accepted i guess but it was something where i was able to take this song and the anger that is represented in it and just channel my own anger not just from that initial pandemic phase but every instance of just you know frustration that occurred within me throughout the pandemic i was able to let all that loose in that room hearing pastor nirvana and it was one of the most cathartic experiences of my entire life and that only amplified my attachment to this song and just how amazing I think it sounds. I, I I feel like this might be my, if this makes any sense, guys, my irate anthem of the year. This song takes so much of what I've been feeling eternally and have never really been able to process into words and just delivers to me something that I can look at and listen to and say, yeah, this describes my headspace. This describes what the last almost three years of my life have been like in the moments where all I see is red. Past Nirvana channels my frustration and transfers it into this exceptional work of art that I feel like is one of the coolest and brightest and best things ever put out by Pierce the fucking veil.
Number four is Dissenter by Static Dress featuring King Yosef. The second song from the year to rank number one in Scenic Overlook, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the third, but I feel like second is accurate. And the staying power and the lasting effect that Dissenter has been able to have on me, I think speaks to not just the very effective nature of this song, but the effective nature of Static Dress altogether. And I've said it so many times, Static Dress, one of the best bands in the world, in my opinion, a band that I am so happy to champion and be proud of and find every reason in the world to just gas up Static Dress and believe that I am in the right for telling you guys that they are the future. Dissenter is another notch in the ever-growing catalog that only further cements the legendary and goaded status of Static Dress so early into their careers. What you get through Dissenter, I feel like, is this really cool and unique package that gives a listener enough of a glimpse into Static Dress if maybe this is their first time coming across this band. And the song wastes no time. Like, you kind of have, like, that guitar distortion at the beginning, and then it goes right into Ali Appleyard flexing the ability he has to be one of the best singers in the scene while simultaneously being one of the best screamers. Ali has this generational element to him that I feel like is only, like, really, really starting to surface. Like, we have only seen a glimpse of the capabilities of Ali Appleyard, and that is insane to think about. And then in the midst of the chaos that is that first verse, the song slows itself down tremendously well. Like, it doesn't at all sound jarring to go from, you know, this energizing post-hardcore track to something very mellow while Ollie is able to just uh, carry that section so beautifully with his voice. And I think that is another instance of Static Dress having this level of versatility that they theoretically should not have obtained already. This band is so fucking young to have been able to find the balance between heaviness and melody the way that they have. The chorus is one of the catchiest moments ever for Static Dress. It is something that I was able to kind of keep in my brain throughout the entire year. I will never be able to hear the chorus of Dissenter and just not immediately feel like singing along with it, get a photograph of the evidence, and just you know, like, let that become my everything in the moment that I'm playing this song. King Yosef comes in for the second verse, and he just matches Ali punch for punch, note for note, scream for scream, and it is a tremendous and beautiful partnership that is formed here between Static Dress and King Yosef. I feel like King Yosef somehow is able to elevate Static Dress, and that's crazy for me to say because I feel like Static Dress is already operating at 100. This band is already at the top of their game, and then King Yosef just came in and somehow made their act better. 
that is fucking crazy, but I feel like it's true. And I feel like that is one of the reasons why I am putting Dissenter above any other song from Rouge Carpet Disaster because Dissenter has the it factor. It has the intangible elements. It has everything that I need for a sad dress song to be this, you know, effective in its delivery and its production. And I think Dissenter is just the heads and shoulders above so many other songs this year, not just by sad dress, but by any band in the scene, any band in music, any band in the world. Sad address clears you in some way or another, and that's fine. It's okay. You're gonna get little broed out by sad address. Whatever it happens, sad address is them. Ali Appleyard is him. Dissenter is that fucking song. Number three is "Love Sick" by Varsity. This is off of the album Welcome Home, and in the placement of Lovesick, I am kind of not really put in a dilemma per se, but just like meant to realize something. Um, so this album released back at the start of January, or like mid-January maybe, and that wasn't the case. That wasn't meant to be the plan. This record was initially meant for November last year. And had that happened, I don't know where Lovesick would have ranked, considering that I would have had only two weeks to spend with it before having to finalize the top 100 for 2021. So, you know, had the song released back then, 14 days in total to experience Lovesick and be able to figure out how I feel about it. Whereas now, I have had almost an entire calendar year to do that. And that additional time has potentially made it possible for me to grow with Lovesick and find a, a connection between myself and this track for a, a bunch of different reasons. And that has been a deciding factor in Lovesick being deemed my third favorite song of the year. And I feel like Varsity is a band that they, they're making strides. They're doing a lot of really sick things. They're moving in a, a great way that really uh, extends the star power that I believe they already possess to a level. And then we'll certainly be able to grow as the time progresses into the future. But Lovesick to me sounds like Varsity having figured out the formula better than ever before. So Varsity, for anybody who, you know, may not be so well-versed in this band or maybe haven't listened to them before, I think the, quote, void that was left by Issues, I say, quote, because they're not actually gone, you know, Issues is just doing what they're doing, but that void left by Issues can be filled by Varsity, and for myself, it kind of has been filled by Varsity for the last two years, ever since the Cloud City EP. Um, They just kind of have that uh 
metalcore and R&B mixture kind of a sound down to perfection. And I feel like Lovesick is the song that can really get that across in the most effective manner possible for Varsity. Lovesick is just everything that I need from a song that is going to torment me when it comes to the subject of love and more so the possessive nature of love and the controlling nature of it. And it's kind of a twisted song when you really think about it. Like, Lovesick kind of has somewhat of an upbeat nature for a little bit of its duration. I think the chorus definitely gives off this uh, joyous vibe within the song, yet there is nothing joyous about the lyrics and what this song is really getting across. I've been trying not to blink, caught under your spell, I watch like a card trick, butterflies and whiskey make me weak, drink until I can't feel anything. Lovesick, you've got me lovesick, I'm dizzy but I love it, I want more of this, I like it when you do that thing for me, I wish I could be everything you need. So, pretty clearly there, like, there is, uh, you know, uh, some somebody at the center of attention, there is somebody as the, um, like, attraction, I guess, of the narrator in this instance being joey and lovesick manages to take that affection and just kind of dismember it in some ways because lovesick is the kind of love song that i feel just perfectly describes those moments where you know somebody is not really in the right headspace and doesn't have the capacity to love. They only have the capacity to think about what love might be, but not what it actually is or what it actually feels like. And lovesick, I think even just the name kind of embodies that. Um, th- this course on lovesick just completely batters anything else in the discography of Varsity, in my opinion. And I like a lot of what Varsity has done, but the course in Lovesick in particular is just something that defines them, in my opinion, and it really sets the pace and what my expectations could be for any Varsity material moving forward. Like, just recently, they had a song out on an EP. The song is called The Goat, and there are so much about The Goat that I feel like is transferred over from Lovesick, and I feel like that shows me the band having figured out what it is that they're doing, their sound, their style, their themes explored, and they're just going to fucking go for it, and I really hope that's the case. Um, the outro section kind of works in this like unit in the sense of the song implodes and self-destructs while being able to come back together and wrap up every idea presented in Lovesick. And I feel like that final chorus combined with the outro is just one of the biggest fucking dubs all year for the scene. And just kind of how Joey is able to get across, like, again, those malevolent tones that are just like, so weird and gross and I should not be as into this track the way that I am given the lyricism there and I know you feel it too they can't love you like I do and I know you feel the same you should let me take the pain away given to me you should let me take the pain away given to me let me take the pain away it is just something that is like so out there so out of pocket but I fucking love it and mixing in how you know, when he's saying in the end, let me take the pain away, you can hear the rest of the band just kind of, you know, falling in line with his delivery. And it's something that I could not shake off all year. That chorus and the outro working in tandem, it is marvelous beyond belief. Lovesick is an accomplishment. I think this is 
the shining achievement so far on the part of Varsity. This is the best song they've ever put out. This is one of the best songs I've heard all year, all decade, maybe my entire life so far. Lovesick just has that grasp on me and it's controlling me. The way that Joey sings these very, you know, controlling lyrics, that ended up being how I feel about Lovesick. I cannot get enough of this song. For every, you know, bit of beauty and malevolence that is found within Lovesick, I cherish all of it. Number two, and subsequently the runner-up for the second annual Levi and Armin Award for Ulterior, is Lights On by Yours Truly. In the presence of ulterior lore and the idea of scenic overlook and what scenic overlook is meant to represent, in the case of Lifetime by Yours Truly, it failed. I failed. So I listened to Lights On back when it dropped as a single in March. And I reviewed it, and it was a part of the graphic for the singles review of that week. Yet, for some reason, it wasn't Scene Kovalik. I didn't bother to rank it. And I heard the song and I just didn't feel that way about it. So a song that I said was not one of the 10 best songs the week that it released, I am now telling you guys that I think it is the second best song of the year. If you hear noises in the background, my cats are just running around doing their thing, and I really don't mind it, so I hope you guys don't mind it either. Um, but yeah, I did not show Lights On the proper respect back when it released, and I don't really know why. I don't know what it was about this song that made me listen to it once or, or twice all the way through for the beginning and just think like, yeah, it's okay. This is beyond okay. This isn't even great. This isn't even perfect. This is generational to the highest extent lights on is my favorite thing yours truly have ever produced yours truly is a band that i feel this incredible sense of pride within this year because of the strides they were able to make and how much i believe that they have advanced themselves since releasing self-care back in 2020 and that's an album that i feel like there are great songs on there siamese souls together you know just uh, amazing bits of work from yours truly but at large i didn't believe that they excelled the way that i would like for them to but with lights on i feel like this band figured out everything that they needed to and more lights on is this just completely sensational you know pop rock alt rock song whatever you want to say it is it understands everything that it needs to be it knows how to make the listener feel what it wants you to feel and a lot of that has to be credited to Michaela's delivery and just how she is able to take a song like Lights On and just make it as important and necessary of a listen as it is. 
whenever I hear lights on, the imagery and like uh, lyrical meaning that is able to surface in my head, it deals a lot with like where we are now in the world and where I am now as a person coming out of the pandemic. Because let's just say metaphorically, in the time of the pandemic, the lights were off, you know, we weren't outside as much. We weren't really socializing as much. And I know for myself, that gave me a lot of time to just sit at home and just think and also overthink and just kind of, you know, allow my maybe warped perception of myself to just become even more warped, like I just said. And coming out, I was going to say coming out of the pandemic, again, we're still in one, still take precautions, but you know what I mean. Coming out of that time frame this year and getting to interact with people again and getting to be social again and getting to be able to do things I wasn't able to do before, like just, you know, freely go out anywhere I want to and be able to go to concerts and all that shit. The lights were back on and I kind of had to be a functioning human again and relearn all this shit with the very dark and brooding thoughts that developed over the last two years. So to have the lights on again and genuinely, as the course suggests, be able to ask myself, is this what I look like with the lights on? Like, is this actually how I am? Is this really how things are? And I don't know if that's true yet. I don't know if that's really how they are. I don't know if that's really how I am. But all I know is that this song, Lights On, has been able to, no pun intended, shed light on those complicated matters within my brain. And it helps that all of this meaning is delivered through a song that is just as good as Lights On is. It is catchy. I cannot hear this chorus without just singing along with Michaela and, you know, raising my voice, hitting those high notes, just being right there in the moment with her, embracing everything that Lights On means to me and what it has been able to do for me so far in the last few months, I've been able to truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, the, the belief I have that I know Lights On will continue to be this very important and effective song for me moving forward because it contains with it some elements that I feel like will be able to resonate with me for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter what stage of the pandemic I'm in, what stage of my life I'm in, Lights On is going to have a lasting effect on me. I do not understand where I went wrong with Lights On from the beginning. Why did I listen to the song and just brush it off? Why did it take until the release of the EP, Is This What I Look Like, to be able to hear Lights On and just understand everything that I feel towards it? I don't know, and I'll never fucking understand it, but I I'm trying to correct the course right now and sit here and tell you guys right now, in December 2022, I believe Lights On by Yours Truly was the second best song I heard all year long, and at large, one of the greatest songs I've ever had the privilege of listening to. Number one, the winner of the second annual Levi and Armin Award for Ulterior and my pick for song of the year is Strangers by Bring Me the Horizon. Full of strangers looking for something to save us. Alone together, we're dying to live away. 
I honest to God mean this. I wish I could have been more suspenseful with this pick. I wish it wasn't so obvious where I was going to go. I wish I could have said Lights On or Lovesick or Dissenter was Song of the Year. But I realized a few weeks ago that if I gave Song of the Year to any track but Strangers, I would be lying to myself and I'd be lying to you guys. Strangers genuinely is my favorite song of the year. It genuinely is, in my opinion, the best song release over the last 365 days. There is no agenda. There is no bias. I did not start constructing this list with the mindset already locked in that I was going to put Strangers at number one. I didn't want to. Again, I wanted to create suspense. I wanted to not be predictable. But beyond that, I really should just be honest with you guys. And the honest truth is that Strangers to me is that fucking song. And it has been since I first heard it back in July. I remember it was my last week of working at home before having to actually go like on the site for, for my work and having the freedom to listen in to the premiere of this song on BBC Radio 1 and just kind of share with strangers the same experience I had the first time I heard Mantra and Medicine and Parasite Eve and Obey and to kind of just, you know have that be my first experience with strangers it was something that i can truly never ever forget i will never be able to not remember and not recall to complete fucking detail everything about that moment in time because i was just standing in my room waiting for the song to premiere and once i could hear ollie come in with those lines maybe i'll just be fucked up forever should have figured myself out by now and i don't want to tear myself open no but it's hard to care when you bleed out. And as he's just letting those notes fly, my brain is just matching every melody within this song. And the buildup to that first chorus is something that has been able to stick with me and resonate with me. And it's a piece of art this year that I just find so much of myself within and the way Ali is able to just allow that chorus to come in we're just a room full of strangers there is something incredibly beautiful about that line and it's something that is like literally a truth we really do just exist in a room and a world full of strangers yet there are instances where it doesn't really matter that we're just strangers to one another because we all have some purpose in being where we are. And maybe this is like me looking too deeply into what this song is saying, but uh, imagine like literally you're just, you know, at a grocery store, just shopping around and you see all these people around you. You don't know who they're shopping for. You don't know what their financial state at that particular time might be, you know nothing about these people and they know nothing about you, you know, whatever you have going on in your life. And this is something that I really need to kind of, you know, take uh, my own advice for. People don't know what you're going through. They can see you and they can kind of read body language maybe, but they don't know whatever you have going on in your personal life. People don't know of that about you because you are a stranger to them and they're a stranger to you. But because we're all strangers, we kind of 
maybe lose sight of the fact that, you know, again, we all have something that we're living for. We all have something that we're dying for. And it's just a song that was able to, you know, bring those ideas to the forefront of my brain. And I would like to think that maybe the the meaning and the lyrics behind Strangers has actually done good for me beyond just, you know, having a song that I connect with. Like maybe this song actually has changed behavioral patterns and maybe it actually has made me, you know, marginally a better person, if anything, because I kind of have a greater sense of empathy because of Strangers. Every second of this song is something to marvel at. And Ali, like he does every other track with Bring Me the Horizon, he commands your attention. He makes it impossible for you to not hang on to his every word. And the way that the band is able to assist him with that, it is the greatest alley-oop in the history of music. Well, I guess my guardian angel missed the memo because we're walking on razors again and we swore to God we never let this happen. No, we've dragged ourselves through hell and we'll be damned if we go back. The way that Ollie is kind of able to build that verse and become a little bit more aggressive as it's progressing and the instrumentation matching that. Again, just this beautiful marriage between vocalist and band. And I think Bring Me the Horizon have been able to etch that um, achievement into their resume better than any other band that has ever been around them in the history of their tenure and in the history of the scene at large. Strangers, to me, embodies why I love Bring the Horizon so much. Not just because they're able to sound better than any band, but because they can take these themes and ideas that I resonate with and channel them in ways that probably mean more to me than they would coming from, you know, another band that I mentioned in the top 10 or the top 20. Like, no disrespect to any of them. They're all fucking amazing and they're in their spots for a reason. But Bring the Horizon has this effect on me that I cannot compare to any other band. I cannot match to Bring the Horizon an experience or a moment in time or a memory from any other band. Bring the Horizon became my band a long time ago, and a song like Strangers just reminds me why that is the case. Why I have the umbrella tattooed on my right index finger. Why this band has been able to mean as much to me as they ever have. Strangers comforts me. Strangers gives me a sense of purpose. Strangers is my favorite song of the year. And like I said earlier, I wish there was more suspense to that, but you guys are getting the truth for me. And the truth is that Strangers means more to me than I can ever express to you guys. And it means a lot to me that I'm able to, you know, have the Levi and Armin Award go to Bring Me the Horizon this year because Levi and Armin, for all I know, that's what they see me as too, a stranger. I don't know if they know who I am. I don't know what they feel towards me, but I know that they've been by my side since, you know, I adopted them after Mikas' passing. And they didn't need to warm up to me. They didn't need to show affection to me. Because again, I might just be a stranger to them. But they have. And that that means more to me than music ever could, truthfully. And that's going to be where this series concludes. Those were my 100 favorite songs of 2022 and that was every reason why strangers by bring me the horizon is the winner of this year's song of the year for ulterior i can't express to 
any of you listening, what it means to me that you bothered to press play on any part of this series. You took the time to listen to me waffle about music. That's fucking sick. That is amazing. I don't know what I did to deserve that. But I, I, I'm trying not to take that for granted. Because it genuinely is special. And I don't know how I got here. I don't know why this is something that I can do. And I don't know why you guys put up with any of it. But you do. So, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, genuinely, sincerely, fucking thank you. Yeah, come back next week and listen to me do the same thing again about records. That one's going to be interesting because I feel like uh, I got a lot to say about records this year. A lot to say. So, yeah. um, Tap in low, bro. It's going to be fun. Thank you for listening to this series. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Please check out any of these songs if you are not familiar with them, if maybe you were just reminded of them, if you've been fucking with them the whole time, whatever the case may be, you know, go check out these songs because they're on this list for a reason. So yeah, uh, hope you enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a fucking scene. (laughs) 